imagine a world where everybody knows what their purpose in life is. Welcome to episode number 31 on the My Story Podcast. On the My Story Podcast, we feature interviews with leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs who tell their story and the life lessons they've learned along the way. Hi, I'm Conrad Weaver, your host for the show. What is your purpose? Have you ever given this a thought? If not, today is your opportunity to do just that. Jim Whit discovered his purpose in 1988, and it transformed his life. Today on the My Story podcast, you'll hear Jim's story and how he discovered a life lived with purpose is a life filled with meaning. Jim is a business consultant, speaker, and an author, and he's taken his message of purpose in life and business to audiences around the world as a keynote speaker. I had the privilege of meeting Jim a few years ago, and we ended up working together on a documentary film called Thirsty Land. And today, he's right here on the My Story Podcast. Hey, if you have a story to tell, I'd love to work with you to bring it to the world. Whether it's a business story or a personal story or maybe a documentary, if you have something to say that the world needs to hear, my purpose is to help you tell your story. I would love to work with you to produce your documentary or podcast or business video. I would love to help you get your message to the world. Send me an email at conrad at conjostudios.com and let's work together to share your message and change the world. And now, here's my interview with Jim Witt. Well, Jim Witt, welcome to the My Story podcast. Thank you, Conrad. It's my pleasure. So, Jim, you and I met a number of years ago while I was working on a documentary film called Thirsty Land. And I don't remember exactly how we got connected, but uh, we did. It was in Dodge City. You were... Uh, doing a viewing for your film out there. And we were at uh, a marketing uh, reception. Oh, that's right. Yes. And and so we got to visit about your video and I asked you what you were going to be working on next. And you said, well, you're thinking about doing something with water. And I said, well, if you are, I said, uh, you need to come spend a week with me and uh, I'll take you around and introduce you to my clients and see if, see if you want to include some of them in your, in your documentary. Yeah, I remember that. And so that I remember Dodge City because because my wife Jody was with me and I, I believe she was with me and we it was very hot. It was in July, I believe. It was very yeah. hot and dry. And the farmers that we were talking to all kept coming up saying, you know, complaining about the drought and all this. And I had been thinking about this new project. And my wife leans over to me and she said, You better make that movie about the drought. Yeah, <laughs> and so when she green lights a project, you know, then I'm off and running. And so when you came in and said, "Hey, you got some people for me to meet," and uh, you were very gracious in that, so thank you for participating and uh, being a part of that. And uh, well, it, it was fun. I, I really appreciate it. And so, Jim, tell me a little bit about who you are and what do you do. Well, I'm Jim Witt, and my purpose in life is to help people reach their full potential. And I'll give you a little background on that and how it brought me up to to where I am today. Uh, I grew up in Osage County uh, in Oklahoma. 
uh, where you were either in the cattle business or the oil business or both or business that served those businesses. I, I didn't want to go to college whenever I graduated from high school, so I didn't. I enlisted in the Army and uh, I flunked my physical. Hmm. And this was during Vietnam, so you had to be a pretty sorry specimen for the <laughs> Army to turn you down. I went to junior college for three semesters, believe it or not, as an art major. Hmm. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. Then I I dropped out, got married, and I worked at a series of jobs in the feed yard branch. And I ended up, I was the foreman at the Oklahoma Methodist Boys Ranch. Now what is that? In, in Gore, Oklahoma, northeastern Oklahoma. And I worked there a few months, and the superintendent, and I had a personality clash. <laughs> so, so he fired me. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell people, what do you do when you've been rejected by the Army and the Methodist? <laughs> <laughs> I went to Oklahoma State University, and they accepted me. <laughs> Will they take anybody? <laughs> I'm proof of it. <laughs> So uh, as a result of that, I switched my major to uh, animal science, and uh, which was a, a perfect fit for me. Getting fired, the one and only time I've ever been fired was the best thing that could have happened to me. Mm. As a result, I got my degree in animal science, and I actually interned with the Ralston Purina Company mm. uh, between my junior and senior year. And they're the company that make like the dog food and some other types of you know, animal food like that? Yep. Cat chow, dog chow. I sold cow chow. <laughs> and uh, as a result of that, I'd plan on getting out and probably managing a feed yard or managing a ranch. But that summer, they paid me $800 a month. And I had an expense account and I never ate so good in my whole life. <laughs> and I thought, hey, you know, maybe, you know, they, they interned me in, the, in sales. And uh, I thought maybe... I. I ought to be a salesman instead of a feed yard manager or a ranch manager. And I did. And I spent the next 10 years working uh, with them, mainly in the High Plains, out where we filmed a lot of the, the footage, you know, for mm -hmm. Thirsty Land. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was great experience. I, I worked with large commercial feed yards. That's where I, I met some of the most progressive people I've ever met in my life live in that area of the country. And what there. do you mean by progressive? Well, you know, you go to a lot of the areas of the country and people are, are, are scared to take risk hmm. and they think small. The people out there think big and they're willing to take big risk. And I think it's probably because those were the descendants of the survivors of the Dust Bowl. Hmm. And anybody that stayed in that country during the Dust Bowl and toughed it out were tough people. They had to be. They had to be. And, and they were uh, people that they learned to take risk and they learned, you know, if you failed, it's not the end of the world. Uh, it's like my first consulting client told me, he said, uh, if you, uh, maybe this isn't the right thing, but he says, it'll eliminate the things we ought not to do. And he says, we'll figure it out as we move along. And, and so that was a great experience for me. Uh, I, I resigned from Purina the day they gave me my 10-year service award, hmm. my cross pen and pencil set with which <laughs> I And uh, the reason that I left wasn't because I was, you know, not successful or unhappy with the company. I actually was one of the top producing salespeople they had. Hmm. But I, I felt like a V8 engine that was only hitting on about 
you know, four cylinders. Mm-hmm. I thought, boy, I, I know I can do more than what I'm doing. I have more potential than what I'm using. So I went to work for another large agribusiness firm, uh, Central Soya, and they're based in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they were a competitor to uh, Ralston Purina. And I became their cattle product marketing manager for North America. Hmm. And I took my product group is the poorest performing group. And in 18 months, I had the largest percentage increase of any of the groups. Wow. you know, I was there. I was again. Hey, this, I'm I'm doing well, but I still felt the same way. I thought I know I can do more than what I'm doing, so I I quit my job again, <laughs> <laughs> and I came up with this with this idea. Uh, I I called up a couple of my old feed yard customers, and uh, they were out in Southwest Kansas, and I said, Hey, I said, how about I would market your feed yards to your customers that feed with you. And nobody had ever done that before. And they said, hey, that sounds like a pretty good idea. So quit my job and uh, we wanted to move out of Indiana because I found out they don't speak Okie in Indiana. <laughs> they, they couldn't understand this. We didn't have a place to live. My wife went back and spent several days with her folks and looked around out in the country because we wanted to get back out in the country uh, to see if she could find us a place to live. And I'm sitting in my office because I'm still working for Central Soya, you know, finishing up things. And I get a call from her one day and she goes, hey, I think I found this place to live. I said, well, tell me about it. She says, well, it's an old farmhouse that belongs to Orvin and Phyllis. And Orvin and Phyllis were friends of her folks. Hmm. And uh, she started telling me where it was. And I said, boy, I don't don't think I've ever seen this place. I said, why don't you describe it to me? And she says, well, it's livable. (laughs) (laughs) So I needed more information. And I said, uh, you know, well, what are they going to charge us for rent? And she said, nothing. That answered all my questions. (laughs) I I jumped in the car, drove 14 hours back, spent the night with her folks to drive over and look at this house we're going to get to live in for free. When I pulled into the yard, it gave new meaning. You get exactly what you pay for. (laughs) And I looked at it. It was an old farmhouse. It had hit a hipped roof, green shingles, asbestos siding on mm, it. Oh my. You can remember that. And it, it was so old, you know, the roof was sagging, the porch was sagging. And when I stepped up on the porch, I was sagging too. <laughs> but I had, I had always listened to Zig Ziglar. And mm, so mm. I was a positive thinking person. I said, it's got to be better on the inside. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I walked in the house and the ceiling was caving in from where the roof had leaked. It was heated with uh, one uh, wall furnace, propane wall furnace, and a, a wood-burning stove. And, you know, it turned on the faucet. It, all the plumbing was rusted up. Walked into the living room and it looked like the inside of a boxcar. It was a long, narrow room and it had a roll in the floor. And the reason it had a roll is on those old farmhouses, when you'd add on to them, they'd settled. The foundation mm-hmm. would settle different. So somebody had covered that roll up with carpet and it had to be probably 1970 because it was the ugliest green and orange shed <laughs> carpet you, you've ever seen. And so I turned to my wife, you know, she's picked this place out for us. Mm-hmm. And I said, have you taken leave of your senses? I said, <laughs> do you really want to live here? And I thought she'd probably say, Oh no, I was off my meds that day that I saw that. <laughs> and now I realize what a terrible mistake it, it, it is. And that's not what she said though. Hmm. 
Hmm. She says, Jim, we can live here temporarily. And uh, so we moved in and we lived there 18 months, the longest 10 years of my life. <laughs> During which time I got a master's degree in Murphy's Law. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong and at the worst possible time. At the end of six months, uh, my business didn't pan out. It was the right idea, but it was an idea before its time had come. Mm -hmm. And I, so I went back to both of my clients and I said, I can't take your money anymore. I didn't know what I was going to do. And uh, I went into really a state of depression because here I was, I'd moved my wife and two children into this rundown old shack that looked like green acres. Actually, green acres looked better than this place. And every day I'd get up and I'd ask myself two questions. Why did you do this and how could you be so stupid? Mm -hmm. And that's actually a pretty good place to be because when you're at that point, you, you know, your, your ego is completely gone. You, I, I mean, I, I was doing some serious praying you know, asking God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then one day, uh, and living in this house was, was like a, a year and a half camp out. <laughs> Didn't have insulation. So we'd freeze in the wintertime. In the summertime, we drug cots out on the, the front porch and slept outside. <laughs> and uh, that was depressing too. <laughs> but anyway, one day I was sitting by the wood burning stove on a cold, windy March day. And I've sorted through a bunch of old files that I had because I didn't have anything else to do. And so I'd pull out the files. I'd look at what was inside of them. I didn't like them or didn't want to keep them. I threw them in the stove, which helped keep me warm. And finally, I picked up one manila file folder and opened it up. And inside was a yellow legal sheet. And at the top of that legal sheet was written a date, March 21st, 1988. Now that was almost a year to the day from me sitting there at that, mm. that wood burning stove looking at this. Mm. And I realized this was uh, some notes that I'd taken in a seminar I'd attended a year ago when I was still gainfully employed. And at the top was written a question. And the question was, what is your purpose in life? And right then, my mental DVR kicked in. I had a flashback, took me back to that seminar. And, you know, it's funny how you hear something when you hear somebody speak or you're in a seminar session and, and you just trip out. You're, you're not there anymore. Your, your mind's just going like this. And what happened is I had a flashback and it was a flashback when I was still working for Purina and I was going down the road between Yugaton, Kansas and Ulysses. And you probably remember those, mm -hmm. where those places are. Mm -hmm. And a young salesman was riding with me. His name was Mike. And he was a sharp young guy, a graduate from New Mexico State University, but he'd never worked in feed yards. And I had, I mean, I'd worked almost any job that they had in a feed yard. So I was never intimidated by these feed yard managers. Uh, and in fact, Mike's, he, he's just been chewed up and spit out by these feed yard managers until he felt like raw hamburger. And he says, Jim, he says, I don't even know what questions to ask a feed yard manager on the first call. And I said, well, get out your pad and pen. And I said, start writing. So I started giving him all these questions that I always asked a feed yard manager on the first call. And that's how I found out what problems they were dealing with. Yeah. And once I understood what problems they were dealing with, I helped them solve those problems. Mm. And it didn't make any difference whether it had anything to do with what I was selling. I built a relationship with them. And uh, so Mike, he's over there writing all these questions down. Mm -hmm. I'd never written them down before. <laughs> I just asked. 
And I never thought anything of it until two years later, the day they gave me my 10-year service award and I left the company, Mike walked up to me and he says, I want to thank you for something. And I said, well, what's that? He says, I still have the 10 questions Jim Witt gave to me to ask a feed yard manager on the first call. Mm-hmm. And right then my DVR stopped and it freeze framed on his face and it went in for a close-up, just like you'd <laughs> see in a movie. And I'm looking directly into his eyes and you know, the eyes are the window to the soul. Mm-hmm. And here's what I saw when I looked into the soul of Mike, I saw tremendous potential. And I thought he just needs somebody to help him get there. Mm-hmm. And I stopped at that point, looked down at my yellow legal sheet while I was sitting by the wood burning stove. And here was the answer I'd written down to the question of what is your purpose in life? Mm-hmm. I had written my purpose is to help people reach their full potential. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it, it was as if God spoke directly to me and mm-hmm. it's, it's emotional mm-hmm. because it was like, he said, Hey, Jim, you figured it out. You know why I put you here now focus on that. Mm-hmm. And it transformed my life. Wow. Completely transformed my life. And I started focusing on that. I still didn't know what I was doing, but you had, you had other I, than going to that one seminar, you had never really t- gotten any training on coaching or on. Oh no, like that. <laughs> no, I, I was an old cowboy and feed salesman and with a degree in animal science. Hmm. So one of my customers, one of my, clients that I'd worked with marketing owned one of the largest agricultural enterprises in, in the state of Kansas. And I was sitting there visiting with him one day and I, boy, I was really down. And he says, Jim, he says, you know, he says, our business is growing. And he said, we need somebody to help us with manage what we're doing. He says, do you think you could help us with that? Hmm. And I looked at him and I said, well, you know, I think so. You know, I've worked for two major corporations. And he says, yeah, he says, you have a lot of good experience. And his name was Mel Winger. Hmm. And that day he made me a management consultant when neither one of us knew what that was. (laughs) (laughs) And as a result, today, I can trace all of my business back to him. Wow. Because he was involved in banking. He was involved in ranches and farms. I mean, so many enterprises. And of course, he would tell all these people, hey, you need to talk to Jim Witt. Hmm. And if he said, talk to Jim Witt, guess what? Do they talk to Jim Witt? <laughs> talk to Jim Witt. So as a result of that, I started consulting with some of his people that he partnered with in these different enterprises. And everything that I learned in, in the cattle business and the livestock business and an animal science degree and selling had perfectly prepared me hmm. to become a consultant. Wow. Because you do the same thing with clients that before I ever talk to them, if they're prospects, I sit down and I start asking them questions and mm-hmm. I find out what their problems are. And then mm-hmm. I set about helping them solve those problems. Mm-hmm. So that was no oh, over 30 years ago, 32 years ago, this month, actually, no, last month in, in March. And, and I tell people that what's so amazing about it is since that time, I've been in business for 32 years. And 
anybody that's been in business, if you can last that long, that's a testament in itself. Mm -hmm. But I've traveled around the world. I have spoken uh, to audiences and places like Malaysia and Australia and even Oklahoma and Texas. (laughs) And I've written three books. Mm -hmm. I'm considered an expert in my field as Mm -hmm. as a business consultant. Mm-hmm. and have been a professional speaker speaking at all these meetings. And I'm just as amazed about it as everybody else is. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, I said, you know, the only thing that, that makes me different is that I know exactly why I'm here. I know what my purpose in life is. And that was the catalyst. It's, it's that supernatural forces in motion on my behalf. And people and circumstances started coming to me in my life, and they still do. And it's it's amazing at the times when I wondered, you know, I'd go through, well, like 2008. You remember the Great sure. Recession? Sure. I was speaking in Australia. And when I left, the economy was great. When I got back home two weeks later, it was tanked. Hmm. People started canceling meetings. The meeting industry was in the toilet. And I thought, well, you know, I'd make a big part of my living speaking at these meetings. And so I started thinking about what I was going to do. And I turned my focus in my business. My purpose was still the same, to help people reach their full potential. But I started focusing on the consulting and spent less time focusing on the speaking. Ten years, the ten years after 2008 were the best ten years we'd ever had in our 30 years of business. It's amazing. And I share that with people right now because we're going through. We're in the same situation now and probably a little worse, maybe. Yeah, probably worse. And ironically, last year was the first dip we'd had in business in in many, many years. But I started thinking about, well, you know, I need to I need to look at my business model again. Hmm. And so I started saying, what if I could actually consult with these clients, my wife and I, who's my partner? What if we could do it via Zoom? Hmm. Sure. And last fall, we started consulting with our our first Zoom client that way on a retainer. And we just picked another one up the the other day. Hmm. And the cool thing about was we were ahead of the curve. Right. (laughs) You're using (laughs) Zoom before people knew about Zoom, right? (laughs) Yeah, we were doing Zoom before Zoom was cool. (laughs) And and I feel like it's in the same situation. And I guess the thing that I, I attribute that too is it's still about purpose. Hmm. As long as I focus on my purpose of helping people reach their full potential, I don't have to worry about the vehicles, Hmm. you know, whether it's consulting or whether I do it via zoom or whether speaking, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. The vehicles will evolve. They have to evolve. Just goes back to that one thing that, that one thing that drives everything you do, right? Yeah, that's it. And so as a result of that, you know, I started, uh, I remember people would say, well, you know, how did you find your purpose? And I kind of tell them a story and they say, boy, I'd like to find my purpose. And mm-hmm. so I started putting together, I, I developed a whole curriculum for it. Mm-hmm. And then it became a course, then it became a book. And now here a couple of years ago, I started working on making it an online course mm-hmm. on Teachable. Mm-hmm. So my whole model now is, is evolved digitally. Mm-hmm. So people can go, instead of having to come to a seminar, 
they can go online anywhere in the world and they can, you know, buy the course and complete the course online. Hmm. When you started out this, when you're sitting there by your stove and throwing the papers in there and you were thinking about this, you'd ever, did you, did it ever cross your mind that this is where you would be 32 years later? Oh gosh, no. I, you know, at that time, um, you know, I was just trying to survive, mm-hmm. but that completely, it, it changed my whole mindset about what motivates us. Mm-hmm. And my fundamental principle that I've adhered to for 30 years is without a purpose, our only motivation is reward and punishment. Mm-hmm. And that's how you train any animal is with reward and punishment. Mm-hmm. And we've all been trained with reward and punishment. Mm-hmm. So in consulting and working with individuals, the key thing is we have a process for organizations. I have a process for individuals to help them discover what their purpose is and then focus on that purpose. And then it, it transforms, it transforms their lives. It transforms the business. You connect the dots between those two things. Mm-hmm. And when people know what their purpose in life is, and they work in an organization where they buy into what the organization's purpose is, they have engagement. Mm-hmm. Because they're not there for a paycheck or the perks. They're there because they want to fulfill their purpose and they want to be partners in a cause that's bigger than they are. So you said something, you had a shift in your thinking. So how do you, so on the next day, after you sat there by the, the, the fire and you're throwing your papers in, you had this thought on the next day, when you woke up, you were still in that house. You weren't that your situation hadn't changed. Did your thinking still change? Was your, was your thinking still like, okay, I have a purpose now? Or, or did you have to go back and kind of re, kind of resupport that and, and really you build yourself back up to that purpose? Or, or what was that well, process like? It, it, it evolved. Mm-hmm. Because, boy, what I really started doing is I, I would start digging into, you know, the question is, is why do we do what we do? Hmm. And so, you know, being uh, a, an animal science major, I, I understood livestock. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my wife, she has a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology that she since got because she discovered what her purpose in life was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I always tell audiences when I'm speaking that, you know, my, my second consulting client asked me one day, it's Monty Teeter, Teeter Irrigation. You remember Monty? We oh, sure, sure. For the movie. And we're sitting there one day and he says, well, what do you, what do you call yourself? And I said, well, I don't know. What do you mean? Now, see, I'm just new in this. He's my second consulting client. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know. I said, I, I guess I'm a management consultant. And he goes, no, you're not. And I said, I'm not. And he goes, no. He says, you are a professional provoker. <laughs> He's, he said, that's all you do. He says, you provoke me and you provoke me and you provoke me. And I thought about it and it's true. That's what I do is I provoke people because we all have to be provoked to think about what we're doing before we can do anything different. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, it led me to my whole to without a purpose or only motivations, reward and punishment. And I realized that everything we've been told about motivation is wrong. Mm-hmm. We, t- we tell people, if you want to motivate people, you give them more money or you, you know, you take something away from them. It's the carrot or the stick. Mm-hmm. Well, interestingly enough, since I've developed my whole philosophy 
And the evolution of is, okay, well, what we need to do is get people focused on purpose. The rest of the world caught up with that philosophy. Now we have guys like Simon Sinek, who talks about start with why. Dan Pink, who wrote the book Drive, did some wonderful research on that. It's really not money. It's not reward and punishment that motivates people. It's purpose. Purpose, mastery, and what was the, the third one in there? I'll think of it here in a minute. But that's what we want. But since we've been conditioned like animals, we have what's called a schema. And the schema is this schematic diagram of how our neurological pathways are wired together. And we filter everything through that. So whenever you get focused on purpose, you start building a new schema. Mm. And the new schema is a purpose-based schema. The old schema is a reward and punishment-based schema. So what happened is I started evolving. Mm. And so I, I started worrying less about where the money was going to come from and what I needed to do and just focused on purpose. Mm. And as a result, what happens is, is you, psychologists have discovered that we never get rid of a schema once it's fully formed. Mm-hmm. You don't unwire those neurological pathways, but they have discovered that we build new schemas. Hmm. And when you build your new schema is more powerful than the old, that's transformation. Hmm. You become transformed in that process. It's not change. It's actually hmm. a transformative process. And that's the title of, you know, one of my books is the transformational power of purpose, finding and fulfilling your purpose in life, which is the course I just launched. Hmm. And the other book I wrote for organizations is called Writing for the Brand, The Power of Purposeful Leadership. Which I read that one. Yeah, and that comes from is, you know, it's in the Old West, as a, a brand was more than a way of identifying the livestock. It was like a coat of arms for the, mm, for the ranch. Sure. And whenever you signed on as a cowboy, if you were loyal to the ranch, if you worked hard, the highest compliment that you could receive is you ride for the brand. Mm. And so that was the basis of, of building that model for organizations. And those, those two books are bookends for everything that I do, whether it's for the individual over here or the organization, and it's putting those two things together. Hmm. In working through your purpose and in doing the things that you do, and I think I know the answer to this, what influences your daily decisions? Well, I'll use you as an example. We met at this, you know, I think it was a NAMA reception there mm-hmm. yep. because you, you were doing a, a screening at the, the three I show in Dodge city. Right. And it was in that big old building out there with no air conditioning. And we were hot. showing the great American wheat harvest there. Yeah, that's right. That yeah. was what you were showing. I'm wearing the shirt today. So, <laughs> well, and it's cool too, but you know, just in meeting people, I, I do the same thing. And I did with the feed yard manager is I start asking questions. Hmm. You know, I met you, found out what you're doing. I thought, hey, this is kind of cool. And automatically, my mind will go to, okay, you know, this is great. What's, I just asked, what's your next project? What are you thinking about? Mm -hmm. Well, then you said, I'm thinking about doing something with water. And that's when I said, well, you need to come spend a week with me. Mm -hmm. And if you want to know about water, I've got the people Mm -hmm. here. You know, my clients are right in the middle of this. You know, they're sitting on top of the Ogallala Aquifer, and I work with all of them. Mm -hmm. So, and it's hard to explain how this happens, but that's that's the supernatural power of purpose right there. 
you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know when. You don't know why your paths are going to connect. But as a result of that, I started focusing on how could I help Conram? You know, and I'm not consciously thinking about how am I going to help him reach his full potential? Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about, I wonder what I could do to help him on this next film. And at the same time, I'm thinking about all of my clients out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, hey, we need somebody. We need it to tell our story. Because most people, have, they had no concept of how severe the drought was, how short water is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for all the people who want to go around and worry about global warming, you know, the real crisis is water. Sure. And other than you and a handful of other people, nobody ever hears about that in the media. Mm-hmm. All they hear about is global warming or, you know, they hear all this other stuff. But, man, if, if we would let people understand that without water, nothing else matters, mm-hmm. it, it would change their whole attitude about that. Mm-hmm. So for my clients, you know, it's like, okay, I'm helping them. I'm helping Conrad. And I, I get taken care of in the process. Hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's like, okay, it'll, business will come to me in some shape or form. But all I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on helping these people reach their full potential. My clients. Do you, set, do you set like, you know, goals, like financial goals? Like, okay, I want to reach this level and... You know, this is this is what would make me happy or would help me fulfill my potential if I hit this level of income? Or do you just say, you know what, I'm going to do what I can to help the next person that comes along? I'd like to tell you that I'm a great goal setter. <laughs> you know, like all motivational speakers say, you know, if you're going to succeed, you got to set goals. Well, we set goals every day. Uh, it's We're goal-seeking beings. It's how we're wired. That may be as simple as getting up and having a cup of coffee in the morning and having lunch and, you know, watching Gunsmoke on the Western Channel <laughs> in the afternoon. But it, it's really not the setting the goals that's important. It's, it's understanding the direction. Mm. You know, goals are like the signpost along the way. And, and you focus on your purpose. Purpose is the destination in life. That's, that's what I focus on. Yeah, do I set monetary goals? Oh, probably to some degree, because as you know, in business, we got to pay the bills. Sure. So it's kind of like, okay, well, what do we need to bring in in revenue to, to operate? But, but the real goals are it's kind of like what you're doing with your podcast. I want to I want to know how many people I can reach. Mm-hmm. How do I, what do I need to do to reach the most people with this message that will transform their lives mm-hmm. and transform their businesses? And I, I, I still work at that. And, you know, sometimes I get frustrated mm-hmm. because there's a whole lot of people that just don't get it mm-hmm. because they've been so conditioned by reward and punishment. That's all they understand. Mm-hmm. And a great example is what we're experiencing right now in this coronavirus pandemic. You know, when it first happened, people go in and they're hoarding of all things toilet paper. You know, right. of all the things you can hoard, right. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to hoard something. I'm going to go get, uh, fill the freezer full of steaks. Right. <laughs> and some but water. I, <laughs> yeah, but, but we didn't hoard anything. Hmm. Uh, we didn't. Uh, we used Germex around our house all the time, so we had a pretty good supply of Germex. Mm-hmm. We hadn't bought any new Germex. So it's like, okay, do you want to focus on that? Do you want to focus on survival? 
is, is you want to be an animal because this is an animal body. Mm-hmm. And, but if you do that, if we succumb to our animal nature, we're going to do the stupid stuff that we see people doing mm-hmm. instead of saying, okay, look, what's going on is, is terrible, but history is filled with pandemics right. and things that we've gone through before. I don't know. You know, you may die. I might die. But, you know, as Paul Newman said in Ombre, everybody's going to die. It's just a matter of when. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Last night, so this week, my wife and I have been watching uh, this reruns of uh, Rick Steves' Europe. And if you're familiar with him. Oh, so yeah. He's on PBS and he does, he's like the, he's a, the expert on travel to Europe. And so he has all of his shows on YouTube. And so we don't have cable anymore because we cut that a few weeks ago. So we watch YouTube and watch his, his shows. Well, he goes to all these cities in Europe and almost every one of them has a giant sculpture downtown of the pandemic from, you know, from like either the Spanish, Spanish influenza or, or way back the bubonic plague. They have some kind of sculpture that represents that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I wonder if a hundred years from now we're going to see works of art downtown New York and downtown LA and other places that talk about the COVID pandemic. You know, that's it's so these things do come and go. They do. They come and and civilizations survive. You know, maybe some people don't, but overall the cultures and civilizations do survive. Um, And and that's what we we need to change our focus. Instead of focusing on what happens if I die, mm-hmm. what happens if I live? Right. Do, do, am I going to live my life any differently? I, I just wrote an article on this here a couple of weeks ago. Is, you know, what am I going to do with, with my life? What is my purpose? Or am I just going to see, you know, how much money I can get from the government? Hmm. You know, how much toilet paper that I can hoard? <laughs> Or maybe I ought to turn my thoughts inward and say, you know, I need to know why I'm here. Hmm. And, and it, this is a perfect time for that. Sure. So, I, was list- I was listening to someone yesterday on another podcast and they were talking from a financial standpoint. They're an investor and they have, you know, millions and millions of dollars. And he, he was like, this is the best time to make money. Mm-hmm. He was like, during 2008, I made more money coming out of that than I ever did in the rest of my life. Yes. He said, just so like, this, is, this is the time to, to make a difference and to get out there and to do it. And he said, you know, why are we sitting around wringing our hands worried? Let's get out there and, you know, take advantage of, of this situation and be resourceful and use your entrepreneurial spirit. And as you know, you would say, reach your potential, reach your purpose. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the, for, for the people that are listening to this podcast, that's what I'd tell them. I'd simply say, Hey, do you know what your purpose in life is? If you can't answer that question in one simple, simple sentence, that's positive, powerful, simple, and serving, you don't know what your purpose is. But the good news is I have a process for you. Hmm. And the process is, is very simple. There's nothing. It's not because I'm so brilliant and I can't tell you what your purpose is. Hmm but I know that you were created with one mm. and what you've done is you've had a lifetime of reward and punishment that's covered it up. Mm. So if you want to know what your purpose is, I can't tell you what it is, but I'll give you a shovel and I'll tell you where to dig. Mm. 
And that whole process of the transformational power of purpose is it's that shuttle. And I, I make a bold guarantee to people too, is if you'll engage in the process, I guarantee that you'll find your purpose hmm. because you're setting the supernatural principle in, in, in motion. And that is seek and you'll find. Hmm. And the cool thing about it is when you start seeking your purpose is, you know, God created you f- with a purpose. He wants you to know what it is. So if you start seeking it, it starts seeking you. And I can't tell you when it happens. I've had people that, you know, come to seminars and they find it in the first hour. Had people that leave and three weeks later, they call me on the phone and say, hey, I just discovered my purpose. Had people three years later that call me on the phone and say, hey, I just discovered my purpose. It's the, it's the process. It's, it's not a predetermined outcome. So I, I just tell people that you know, there's four things about your purpose. It's positive. We're all put here on earth to do something positive with our lives. Powerful. We have a, a verse to contribute in life's powerful play. The third thing is, is it's simple. It's not one of these deals where you create your personal mission statement that's, you know, eight pages long. Mm-hmm. If you have to be able to, if you don't know what your purpose is in one simple sentence, you still don't know what it is. And the last thing is it's serving. All of us are put here on earth to serve others. And those that do it are the most successful. And they're also the most, they're the happiest people. And it can be Mother Teresa caring for the sick and dying in Calcutta, or it can be Sam Walton building the largest retail empire on a simple principle of 100% customer satisfaction. They both served. And you know, something you just, you touched on, I think on point number two, where I'm the only me and there's no one else that has the connections that only I have and the, and the people that I've connected to over my course of my life. And so when I have a podcast, when I produce a video, you know, I'm the only person who can bring that message in this way. Absolutely. And what's, we validate that statistically because we map the human genome. You know, and the interesting thing about mapping the human gene, genome was is we found out that only 3% of the genome makes up the human genes. Hmm. We share 75% of the same genes with a rat <laughs> and 98.4% of the same genes with a chimpanzee. And I always ask people, I'm, do you know somebody where it's really hard to detect that 1.6% difference? <laughs> But, but the other interesting thing is in what separates us from other animals is the fact that our animal bodies houses the human spirit. And that's the part of us that's God. Yeah. And that our animal body responds to reward and punishment, but our spirit doesn't. It mm-hmm. only responds to one stimuli that is unique to human species, and that's purpose. Here's the other thing. It gets right to the heart of what you said. 99% of the genetic code that's mapped on our two strands of DNA is identical in every human being. Doesn't make any difference whether the male, female, black, white, it, it doesn't matter. But that 1% difference is what makes you. Wow. And that 1% difference is what makes me. And in that 1% is the singular uniqueness of our purpose. I can't do what you do. You can't do what I do. I don't want to do what you do. I would uh, I like to collaborate with people like you, though. Mm-hmm. 
I, rather than fighting for a bigger piece of the pie, I want to partner with people. Sure. There, there's plenty of pie out there. Why don't, <laughs> I, why don't I find somebody, you know, I learned from you. I learned how to do a documentary, hmm. you know, traveling around with you, interviewing people. And, you know, ironically, as a result of that, I said, you know, I think I can do this. And I started doing some uh, films with some of my clients. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they weren't world beaters in quality. <laughs> But, but the thing about it is, is I, I learned something just from our interaction, you know, spending time together. Well, so, and I have to, I have to reciprocate because I've learned so much from you and just specifically in a time of my life back five years ago, when we work on the, on this film, Thirsty Land that, you know, and, and I read your book, uh, writing for the brand. And I really, that began my journey of really f- discovering what my purpose is. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways I'm still, that's still evolving. And, and I think that, you know, you know, my purpose is helping people tell their story. There you go. Uh, now, and then, I'll stop you right there. Let's ask the question. <clears throat> is that positive? Yes. Is it powerful? Yes. Is it simple? Yes. Is it serving? Yes. Bingo. You know, know what your purpose is. And, and, and it, it's those days or those weeks, sometimes maybe even months that I take my eyes off of that purpose that where I mess up. And I tell you, I've done this and I tell people, if you have a choice about doing something, ask yourself a question. Does this help me fulfill my purpose? Hmm. Does this fit my purpose? If it doesn't, don't do it. Every time I violated that principle, I've been sorry hmm. about it. I said, why did I do that? I know better. Mm-hmm. But what happens is that reward and punishment schema that still exists over here, even mm-hmm. though my purpose-based schema is right up here, you know, you forget. Mm-hmm. And under stress, pressure, what we naturally do is we go back to our old pattern of behavior, your, your old schema. Mm-hmm. So at times like this is when you really have, you have to focus and you have to remind yourself, okay, Jim, what am I supposed to do? My purpose is to help people reach their full potential. How can I do that? What mm-hmm. do my clients need? You know, what do the prospects that I've talked to need? Mm-hmm. And I mean, and I think it's just so cool is here in the right in the middle of this pandemic, when we're in lockdown, we pick up a new consulting client. That's awesome. And the, the, they're right here in Tulsa. Wow. So you don't have to travel. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, is we can't go see them on site. And I right. told them, I said, it doesn't matter. I said, we can do this via Zoom. Right, right. You know, I'm working on a new documentary film. I told you about the, the you know, about PTSD and first responders. And this this morning, I had this aha moment. It's like, maybe I'm thinking about this thing all wrong is, you know, waiting till you know, I'm, I raise a bunch of money to make this film. Why don't I do this through Zoom? Interview these yes. people you know, and create a, maybe a shorter film that we put out there on Amazon and, and show the world. And maybe that'll lead to, you know, a series or something else. I, I did the same thing on test testimonials from people, you know, that have gone through the transformational power purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the first one that I did, I had him come into the studio mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's, it's real, I mean, you know, high quality. It's, it's mm-hmm. really great. But you know, these people are all over the country. 
And I thought, well, how am I going to do this? And then I discovered there's a record feature on Zoom. <laughs> and so I started doing the testimonials via Zoom. And I, I say, I think what you're doing, and if you think about it in the YouTube culture that we have today, or the TikTok culture, whatever you want yeah, to call it, right? people's attention spans are about 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So instead of you know, creating a, a 90 minute documentary, mm -hmm. create a nine minute YouTube. Right. And I have a, a friend, his, his name, he's called the history guy. Hmm. And uh, he's actually the son of Betty Jo Jiggett, who's the publisher of the CAF news, you know, that we mm -hmm. I, yep. I think took you out there. Yep. And so he, he's a history buff. And so he started doing these YouTube videos. Hmm. And he started doing podcasts and, and on history. And I mean, it's taken off. It's gone viral. He has a whole new business model that he does right there from his house, just yeah. like you and I are doing right now. Right. And he, he is known as the history guy. Wow. Very cool. So what, so one of the questions I'd like to ask is what are some of those big life lessons? And we've probably, you've probably already said this, but what are some of those big life lessons you've learned over the course of your your, your, your life? Well, the, the biggest life lesson is the fact that, I mean, that we're all put here to fulfill a specific purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And I would tell this to anybody is that's the single most important question that you have to ask in your life. You know, when we're children, we're asking all the right questions. We ask adults and our teachers, you know, well, what am I supposed to do when I grow up? And they tell us to shut up and stop asking so many questions. <laughs> We tell them, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, make as much money as you can, save as much money as you can so you can retire and die. Hmm. And that's the track yes. that we're given. Right. You know, what we need to do, the life lessons uh, is we need to be asking that question of our children at an early age. And it needs to be a part of our educational system. Hmm. Instead of getting them focused on what your career going to be, that's just a vehicle. Help them discover what their purpose is. Hmm. They get focused on that. And you know what? Your vehicles change. Mm -hmm. You think you we'd know? see a lot less uh, problems with mental health if we have our focus on our purpose? And behavior. Right. You know, I, when I was a kid, I got bored with school. I, it, I just was not academically inclined. And... Uh, you know, probably I would have been uh, diagnosed as ADHD, <laughs> you know? yeah, but we didn't know, you know, it was just right. like, you know, that kid, he's just a little too wired. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think that if we would start it there, if we would include that, the, the life lesson that I have is imagine a world where everybody knows what their purpose in life is. Mm -hmm. And they work every day in businesses that know exactly what their purpose is. Mm. And now what you have is you have a world that's engaged and focused on the fulfillment of purpose. All of the other stuff that's bad starts going away. Hmm. When you start focusing on the bad stuff, well, we need to do this, we need to do that. And how many trillions of dollars have we thrown money at in this country on trying to solve problems? Right. And, what, and it's never worked. And yet sure. we keep doing more of it. Mm-hmm. But all it is, is it's reward and punishment. So the, the biggest life lessons that I, I have, and, and you're right, I've covered this and everything that I've just said earlier, is focus on purpose. 
You focus on purpose and, and that's the, that is the life lesson. I don't have to give you Jim Witt's 10 steps to you know, become a successful speaker or consultant or anything like that. If you want that, there's more books than you can count out there on that stuff. I'm not going to say that they're bad, but I, you know, I made the evolution from the time I discovered my purpose. And believe me, I was, I did. I listened to Zig Ziglar because, <laughs> you know, he was so good and, and mm -hmm. listened to uh, other like Norman Vincent Peale, other mm -hmm. people. But then the thing about purpose is, is you start finding the sound of your own voice mm -hmm. instead of mimicking somebody else's. Mm -hmm. You find the sound of your own voice instead of just being part of a choir. And that's it. If people could understand, if they'd understand that your life can be transformed through the power of purpose, that would be everybody that's listening to this right now. That's it. Hmm. That is powerful stuff. That is really powerful stuff. So a fun question I like to ask everybody. So you know what a log line is. So a log a, line. yeah, in a movie, when you make a movie, you write a log line. A log line is that sentence that describes the movie. Oh, okay. okay. When the movie about your life is made, what will the log line be? The log line, the story of a man that discovered his purpose and his life was transformed as a result. Hmm. That would be it. Yeah. Wow. Let me see. I, I, maybe I'll uh, amend that a little bit. It, the story of someone who discovered his purpose and as a result helped others transform their lives. Hmm. I think that's better. Hmm. Wow. I can give you several. <laughs> you know, you, you, you create more than one trailer. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Depending on who your audience is, right? <laughs> I mean, if you had to get it down, it, you know, I... I you think about, well, what am I going to, what's the title of the book going to be? Mm -hmm. And whatever is, you know, I just uh, thinking about the transformational power of purpose, just that one sentence with a colon and finding and fulfilling your purpose in life. Hmm. That, that's a, that'd be a log line. Hmm. Another sure. log line uh, on the other side is, you know, uh, writing for the brand. Mm-hmm how your, your, your organization can be transformed by the power of purpose. So there's probably two or three movies there. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the next big thing for you? I, exactly what I'm done. Hmm. I, I made the decision a couple of years ago that what I wanted to do is I wanted to move because I, I'm 67 now. Uh, getting on an airplane and flying somewhere like, you know, is the novelty of doing that. Like you said, hauling all the camera equipment around and even for me flying to go speak at meetings, uh, or flying somewhere to do consulting or driving or whatever. I, I, I know that I can't go as hard as I used to go. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, what am I going to do to change that business model? And it was the business model has to become uh, virtual. Mm -hmm. digital, whatever name you want to give it online. And the great thing about that is even though I, I probably wasn't thinking in these terms, but it's, you can reach so many more people. Sure. Yeah. I, I, 
uh, whenever I was putting together the videos for my uh, the transformational power of purpose, my producer was living in Korea. Hmm. And we had a Zoom meeting every week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, hey, this is cool. You know, it doesn't make any difference whether he's here or not. Mm -hmm. We're we're working together via via Zoom. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's the, the the big thing is focus more on you know the, the business model not of the past and don't be trying to figure out well what are we going to do when things get back to normal. Mm -hmm. Because things are never going to be normal again. Right. Right. So what we have to focus on is okay, what do we learn out of this whole pandemic? that I think is going to change how we live our lives and how we do business. Hmm. And to me, that's exciting. Sure. It's exciting to think, wait a minute, this could be the transformation that education has needed, mm -hmm. but was stuck in their old schema. Mm -hmm. and, and we still teach kids basically the same way we did from the time the printing press was invented. Mm -hmm. We give them a book, tell them to read it, stand up in front of them and lecture. <laughs> that's, I, I mean, that's archaic. Yeah. It's, it's the same way in thinking about how we do business is that, that you actually have to be there in person to do business. Yeah. Now people still do business with people and th that'll never change. Sure. And you still need to have some connection, physical connection, mm -hmm. at, at least at some point. Mm -hmm. But so much of what we do is wasted. It's, it's wasted energy. It's, I don't understand. I, did, I haven't understand this for a long time. Why do we herd people into these brick and mortar boxes and have them work there? <laughs> and after this, we've discovered, well, they can work from home. Work from home, right. Yeah. They're going to be happy. Unless you're building a car or you're, you know. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, the thing about it is, is we can repopulate rural America. Hmm. Because people are going to say, do I really want to live in New York City? Right. And nothing right. against the people from New York that are watching this. Or I could, it doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to live in a congested, populated place? Or, by the way, that's hardest hit by the coronavirus mm. is heavily populated areas. Or is there someplace else that I can live, I can move my family and have a much better quality of life? Mm -hmm. And still fulfill my purpose. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and maybe that's what it will take hmm. to move those people. Right. Is focus on your purpose and then let it take you hmm. where you're supposed to go. My job every day is to get up, put one foot in front of the other and march towards my purpose. Hmm. And my prayer every day is for my wife and me is guide us today in the fulfillment of our purpose. You know, God, just show me. Yeah. Just, yeah. and it's amazing just that in itself, how freeing that is. Mm -hmm. When you understand, wait a minute here. Uh, I always, uh, I read something that somebody wrote once. He said, I always remind myself that I'm in the efforts business and God's in the results business. Mm -hmm. And we get it backwards. You know, we're always trying to focus on the results because, you know, we've been told we're supposed to set goals and this is what we're supposed to do over here. Well, you know, maybe your goals are wrong. Maybe your goals are really not helping anybody. They're not helping you. 
focus on your purpose and it'll take you places that I, I've gone places I've never dreamed that I go doing things I never thought that I would do and meeting people that I never thought that I'd meet. It, I mean, that's the coolest thing on earth. When I was uh, cowboying in a feed yard in 1972, if somebody would have said, Jim, you know what? In 40 some odd years, you're going to be a, a well-known speaker, writer, business consultant. I would have said, you're nuts. <laughs> you flipped your lid. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to be doing any of that. I, why, why, why would anybody even pay any attention to what I have to say? <laughs> Well, Jim, how can, how can people contact you? How can they get a hold of your organization and your, your resources that you offer? Well, the easiest way is to go to my website. Uh, and that would be purposeunlimited, all one word, dot com. And uh, also, you know, on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, everything else, you know, that we are out there. So, so they can find me there, either Jim Witt, W-H-I-T-T, Purpose Unlimited. And I'll be sure to put all those links in the show notes uh, for, the, for the podcast so people can link directly to you. Okay. And, well, good. And, and connect with you. Well, Jim, thank you so much for taking time to uh, tell your story on the My Story podcast. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. it, it. It was on purpose. It was on purpose. Right. It was. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one. Yep. So, uh, so thank you. And I wish you and your wife you know, all the blessings and uh, that you continue to thrive and, uh, and grow and become uh, more fulfilled in your purpose than you ever have been. Well, I, I agree. And, and the same to you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim, for taking time to talk with me. I really appreciate you and what you mean to me and how you've given me a focus and a purpose. You've helped me discover what my purpose is. And I want to say thank you for that. Hey, if you enjoy these podcasts and think that more people should listen, I would heartily agree. So why don't you give me a review on Apple Podcasts, then share this episode with a friend. You can send it through a text message or an email or through a Facebook post. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. The music on today's show is from my friend, Drew Davidson. You can get all of his music on iTunes or Spotify or at drewdavidson.com. Last, be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss an episode. And if you have an idea for an interview you'd like to hear, send me a message and I'll see what I can do. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on the My Story Podcast. Podcast.